Welcome to Run Like Hell Toward Happy, the podcast for overwhelmed creatives to stop hustling and finally create balance between work, life, play, and rest to make progress toward their dreams. I'm Caitlin Liz Fisher, motivational writer and coach who helps people listen to that little voice inside that knows what you really want to be doing. Let's get started. Hello, hello again. Today we're talking about everyone's favorite method of self-defeat, perfectionism. Raise your hand metaphorically. If you're listening while you're driving, please don't raise your hand. You need that for driving. Put it back on the steering wheel. So raise your hand if you're the type of person who gives up when they don't get something done right on the first try. This is pretty common and it's usually from a perfectionist mindset. Perfectionism keeps us from learning new things all the time. It keeps us in our comfort zones where we know how to do things. And it keeps us ignoring those little whispers inside us about our deep down dream. We naturally want to be good at things. And we see a ton of talented, creative people's work online all day via social media. So we hold ourselves to those people's standards, comparing ourselves to them without realizing that we don't see the years of practice it took them to get as good as they are. But those people and you have to start somewhere to improve and get to that level. You have to start even if you do not know what the hell you are doing yet. If you put your passion on pause in order to get it absolutely 100% right, you'll be waiting forever and you will never feel ready. So I challenge you to just get out there and publish your first bad video, launch your first bad podcast, write the first draft of your book that will need editing and revisions, and accept that if it's worth doing right, it's worth doing poorly at first so that you can learn. The example I give my clients all the time when they're worried about not being good enough is that my early blogs, they're still on my website right now. I don't know how long they'll be on my website, but my early blogs were not good. When I started my blog, I was just out of my first marriage and I had moved in with my mom and my stepdad. All my stuff was packed away in their basement. And then like about a month before I moved out, I started reading all these minimalist blogs and I was like, oh, I don't need all this stuff. I can declutter this. I want to have less stuff. So as I was repacking my things, I decided I didn't need everything. And my blog started off as a minimalist blog. It was called Born Again Minimalist. And my early blogs are like three paragraph posts about like, I flipped the hangers around in my closet and anything I hadn't worn in six months, I donated or a little blog about how I only have five pairs of shoes or I have a little tiny purse because I don't need a bunch of stuff in my purse. And they are not good writing. They're not fine writing, but I still have a published book because writing those bad blog posts at the beginning helped me find my voice as a writer, helped me grow my confidence over time and helped me, helped me get where I am. Honestly, once I realized minimalism was not going to be my thing forever, 
it was my thing for a little while, but it wasn't my thing forever. I started writing about other stuff. I started writing about motivation and I started writing about millennials. My blog post about the gaslighting of the millennial generation went viral from that minimalism blog. And that's what my book's about. I turned that blog post into a book. If I had never started the blog at all, I wouldn't have had that platform and I wouldn't have written that blog probably anywhere. So just start. If it's not perfect right now, you, you're barely going to remember in five years or you'll look back and be like, wow, look where I started. It's amazing. Speaking of my book, there's a lot I would change in that too, but it's already published and I can't take it back on Forge. It took me a year to write the proposal for my book because I was super scared of messing it up, promising more than I could deliver, not getting everything exactly right. It was so far out of my comfort zone to even think about writing a book. I was convinced. I was like, who told me to write a book? My agent. My agent told me to write a book. But like, I did not feel qualified to write a book at all. When I submitted my first manuscript, it came back with edits. And the edits were highlighting places that I knew were kind of weak and needed more work. But I, at that point, I was like, I have to turn in something. I can't keep tweaking it forever and ever. So I sent them, basically, it wasn't like a, a rough draft. I sent them a pretty good draft. But it came back with some edits and I needed to improve it but I needed to just get it out of my hands and let somebody else look at it with a fresh, fresh pair of eyes and help me identify the places where it needed to be better. When it comes to writing, I've always been someone who got pretty close to a final draft on my first try. I have had to really learn how to do a rough draft. If you've ever read Outlander by Diana Gabaldon, I believe she wrote the first Outlander novel because she was like, I wonder if I can write a novel. And then she wrote it. In writing, we tend to call it a shitty first draft. And I'm not sure who is quoted as saying that. I think it might be Anne Lamott. But we call it a shitty first draft and you just got to do it. And author Terry Pratchett said that the first draft is just you telling yourself the story. And as I've started dabbling in fiction writing, that has helped me a lot because I don't know how to weave plots and subplots together. And I don't, I don't know how to write fiction yet, right? That's out of my comfort zone. But knowing that the first draft is really, nobody ever has to see that except me. It's just me telling myself the basics of the story. And then I get to build around that later. Very, very helpful really breaks down the perfectionism. Because obviously I want to write a good book. It doesn't have to be perfect. It has to get out of your brain and onto the page, onto a canvas, onto a sketchbook, into an Etsy shop, whatever you're doing. It just has to get out of your brain and into the real world. Outside of your comfort zone, right? Just, just trying stuff. I know I'm talking a lot about writing here, but this applies to anything you're doing. Everything is going to start off being really, really not perfect. And you just have to try anyway. Perfectionism is your enemy. You don't need things to be perfect, I promise. Perfectionism will keep you paralyzed with fear until you accept that done 
is better than perfect. And perfect isn't even real. Since I wrote my book, now publishing a book and being subject to people's bad reviews is something that's in my comfort zone. And that means I'm able to try more new things like making this podcast. I am sure that some people will not like it. I am sure that some people really will. Those people are my people and the people who don't like it, they're not a good fit for me. But I have to do the first season of this podcast in order to have a better second season of this podcast, in order to have an even better fifth season of this podcast a year from now, you know, whenever whenever that happens. But I have to do it first. And I can't keep doing it and redoing it and redoing it before I launch it. I just I just gotta get it out there. So if you have tips for me, uh, feel free to DM me those on Instagram because God knows I am not a professional at this. Think about your favorite podcasts, blogs, comics, shows, any other media. How have they changed over the years? If you got in on the ground floor of some type of online media, maybe you follow somebody's web comics or something, How have you noticed that they've honed their craft over the years and improved? You know, Humans of New York used to be something way simpler and way different than it is now. And now Humans of New York is this huge brand and he's got books and he does these eight-part stories on Facebook that people are like refreshing their Facebook feed all day waiting for the next update. Didn't used to be like that. He just started with his thing. And then years later, has mastered his craft. And I'm sure he will continue to do other bigger and better things. Another example for me, one of my favorite podcasts that I recently found this year is called The Gaily Prophet, created by two queer witches rereading Harry Potter and discussing it. First season, the episodes were kind of long, pretty rambly. I mean, honestly, still, there's... Part of what I like about it is that they get a little rambly. So if, if you like me rambling right now, you might also like them rambling. And I'm now about, I'm almost through their second season, which is about the second book, Chamber of Secrets. And I want to say like the production value has improved over time. Like they feel like they're really getting into the swing of their format and everything. And that doesn't mean the first season isn't any less important or wonderful. It really paved the way for these two podcasters, uh, Lark and Jesse, to get better and better at their show. So if you are a witchy type or you like Harry Potter or you're queer or all of the above, you should definitely go listen to that show because it's they make some really excellent points about how fucked up Hogwarts is. <laughs> and it's amazing. We interrupt this episode of Run Like Hell Toward Happy to invite you to my free burnout breakthrough webinar. In this one-hour webinar, you will learn my four-part framework to balance your passion project with the rest of your busy life. Whether you're getting back into an old hobby, turning your craft into a business, finishing your novel, or anything in between, this framework will help you reach your goals at your pace. The Burnout Breakthrough webinar is free and is happening live on Monday, May 17th at 8 p.m. Eastern. 
Register now at bit.ly slash stop burnout webinar. I will also have that link in the show notes for you. And now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Another series that I really enjoyed but had a very slow start is Shit's Creek. I started watching it because everybody said it was hilarious and amazing and very queer. And I honestly hated the first season of it. I was like, I don't get this show. Why are you telling me that this show is good? I feel very lied to and betrayed right now. And people still were like, you know, like, it's okay if you don't like it, but like, I promise it gets a lot better. There's so much character growth, right? Because in the first season, the roses are still like (laughs) shitty entitled people. And I did not like watching this show. I was like, great. These people are just miserable constantly and trying desperately to get out of this town. And, you know, that doesn't feel good. And it just, I just didn't get it. And then I kept watching it honestly, longer than I would have given a show that wasn't so well recommended. But about halfway through season two, maybe maybe a little sooner, but during season two, I started to like it. I don't believe in making myself stick with something I'm not enjoying, but I continued watching. Like I went back to it after a while and I ended up totally loving it. The first season was really rough and it hadn't found its storytelling cadence yet, but I ended up really glad I stuck with the show and got to the amazing, incredible character growth and happy endings for all these characters. Over time, I really did grow to love them, even though I thought like they were total assholes in season one. And I mean, I never really got into Roland. He is mega cringe at all times, but I even felt like Roland was mostly okay by the end. Another thing I love to see online is when artists post their former work next to a redrawn version that they did more recently. And it can be years apart. It'll be like, I drew this when I was in high school next to something that they've drawn now that they're in their 30s with consistent practice. And it's amazing. Can you imagine if they had just stopped because their art wasn't perfect when they first started learning to draw. So show showing us the growth and sharing how much time and practice goes into their skill is super important for us as the viewer to see that we can develop our crafts and our skills too. We just have to put that time in. You know, I don't write about minimalism anymore. It's not my deep down dream. But that writing helped me get something started that has now turned into my true dream of helping people one step outside my comfort zone at a time. What's your deep down dream? What thoughts keep you from going for it? Are you worried that you don't have the skills? Can you learn those skills? The only way to get to that deep down dream is to learn the things you need to learn to get there. It's not just going to fall out of the sky and hit you in the head. You have to learn. You have to figure out what you don't know, and then you have to learn it. There are a few ways to start learning new things for free, 
and I will link the resources I talk about in the show notes here. So there is one resource called lynda.com. That's Linda with a Y, L-Y-N-D-A. And they're now doing their courses through LinkedIn, but lots of libraries have access to lynda.com for free with your library card. That's going to depend on your library and if they have that arrangement. But Linda has courses on business, web design, photography, software development, education, IT. They have a huge library of courses where you can learn and develop skills from beginner level to advanced. You can also learn a ton on YouTube. I found a writer who laid out a novel plotting grid, like a 27-point novel plotting just thing. And I used her method to outline my first novel in like half an hour, where previously I was like, I don't know, I guess it's like about this. But just seeing it laid out, seeing an expert teach me something for free. You know, I watched her video two or three times to like really learn it. Helped me learn something new. So now I have a beginner level in that. You know, it's like in The Sims where you're learning something and like your little skill bar goes up each time you read a book about something or each time you practice this skill. And then you can, you grow your skills. That's how learning works. But we're so scared of learning in adulthood because I don't know, I guess we think that the things that we've learned so far are just, that's all we get. No, you can learn so many new things. It's not too late to learn new stuff. Also on YouTube, I learned how to fix a sink. You can learn almost anything there. And there's so much free teaching available there that eventually, you know, you you master the beginner level of something that you learn on YouTube. And then maybe you can find somebody who offers a paid course in that. And you have the foundational knowledge so that you can do more with that paid course. I do not like paying for courses that they're either too advanced for my, my skill level or they're below my skill level. So I feel like, oh, I didn't need to pay for that. But when you start learning a new skill and you know where you're at with it, like, you know, I'm, I'm at super beginner level, I have no experience in this, or you're at sort of an intermediate level, you can kind of pick and choose where to focus free resources to get your skills up and then decide if it's worth paying for something to continue learning that. I recently painted a really cool painting for my sister and their fiance as a combination engagement, housewarming Christmas Easter gift. We didn't get together uh, as early as possible. So it just kept getting reassigned. (laughs) And it was the most ambitious painting I had ever done. It was a beautiful landscape of a night sky over five canvases of different sizes. And I did it sort of in the style of Starry Night, where it had like swirly sky elements and it had the moon and it had the stars and it had those big curvy trees. And then I put a dragon on it just to make it extra badass. And what I really wanted to do was paint an aurora in the sky but I had never painted that before. So I could have left it as is without the Aurora or I needed to learn how to paint one. So I went over to YouTube and I watched like three different Aurora paintings 
and I tried out each technique on a practice canvas. Props to me for doing this. Like I did the rough draft, right? I've learned how to do that. And that's great because had I just watched one video and gone and tried to do it on my final canvas, I would have fucked it up so bad because my first attempt was not, not okay. It was not good. (laughs) And they did not look like the videos and I was getting really frustrated. So I kept painting over my practice canvas to try it again and again and again. And finally I got a method that I felt really good about. And it was frustrating that I didn't just immediately get it. I wanted to watch one video and say, oh, that's not so hard. And then bust it out with a paintbrush and be like, I'm so good at painting. I am good at painting, but I had to learn this new skill. After the practice rounds, I felt really, really happy with the result. Even though it still probably isn't perfect, but it was good enough. It looked good. I was happy with it. I was thrilled. I thought it looked amazing. I was very proud of it. And my sister loved it. Another thing that you can learn for free is from people's free stuff on their websites. So you usually have to trade your email address for access to a webinar or a workbook or a video series to your email or some other resource on people's websites. But Depending on the resource, it can definitely be worth signing up for their mailing list. I have learned about Pinterest, uh, content marketing, and other promotional marketing resources by signing up for mailing lists and getting these freebies. And just as a reminder, if you sign up for my mailing list, you can get my free ebook, Achieve Your Dreams Without Burnout. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Your local library might also have programming that is free or very low cost to members. Honestly, we should love and support our libraries more than we do. I know it's hard in COVID times, but once once we are post-plague, if you don't have a library card, you should totally get a library card because they have resources. You can get books on literally anything. You can get those lynda.com courses. You can use your library card to um, sign up for ebook and audiobook apps like Hoopla or, oh shit, what's the other one called? I forget, but there's apps where you can get audiobooks for free through the library card. Very awesome. And then you can learn about anything or play with that creativity brain and listen to a work of fiction or listen to some poetry or just do something to let your mind relax a little bit. Because remember, we don't always have to be on and learning, but if you do want to be on and learning, you can get you some audiobooks to do that. So your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to do a shitty first draft of something and just get it out into the world. Try that for me this week and then keep doing it. That's all for now, and I will see you in the next episode. If you loved this episode of Run Like Hell Toward Happy, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Once the show gets 50 reviews, I'm giving away a curated work-life balance care package to one lucky reviewer. To enter, post a screenshot of your review in the giveaway thread in the Run Like Hell Toward Happy Facebook group. Huge thanks to Leave Nelson B. for the intro and outro music and to Jennifer Hearn Photography for the photo used in my cover art. Check the show notes for links and resources mentioned in today's episode. You can find me on social media at Caitlin Liz Fisher on Instagram and Facebook or Kate Liz Fisher on Twitter. 
But seriously, number one takeaway, please leave a review. It helps other people find the show. That's all for now. See you next time.